This week's edition of FVS is brought to you by Temple Brewing, the Temple Brew House in Brunswick East, home of the award-winning bicycle beer. Temple's amazing beer is all brewed on site in the amazing brew house in Brunswick East. Their team of experienced and skilled brewers work hard to ensure that you enjoy every mouthful of delicious craft beer. It doesn't get any fresher than this. Your beer was brewed footsteps away from where you are enjoying it. The bar, restaurant, and function space big enough for 100 people ensures that you can enjoy a comfy experience for any occasion. So get down and visit the team at 122 Western Street in Brunswick East or follow them on Insta at Temple Brewing. Royal Parade Creative is a Melbourne-based studio that produces simple, clever design solutions done with a high level of care and sophistication. Specializing in brand identity development and redevelopment, campaign art direction, typography, illustration and digital, Royal Parade offers a lot of his services that you'd expect from a large agency without the large agency price tag. So if you need a new club badge, billboard, corporate logos or bar menus, get in touch and find out how Royal Parade can make it happen. Mention FES for a 10% discount on your first design project. Brand Art Design Thinking, RoyalParade.com. And Ambrosia Fall Designs, as seen on the block and married at first sight, located in Tullamarine, Ambrosia specialize in weddings, functions, and corporate events. They also offer fall workshops, which make great gift ideas. Book a consultation for your next event by calling Leanne on 9338-3609 or in contact her online at ambrosiafoldesigns.com and mention FES to receive a discount off your next booking, of course. And a reminder that each and every Tuesday at midday uh, on Tuesdays, we are replayed on FNR Football Nation radio so give them a listen give us a listen on fnr and also their breakfast show each and every day during the week 8 a.m to 9 a.m let's roll into a huge episode of fbs And top of Group E, that's right, you are listening to FDS, home of the fan-made podcast dedicated solely to the 2020 AFC Champions League participants. Melbourne Victory, my name is Jason. I'm coming to you live and direct from the west coast of the USA in Long Beach, California, on the cusp of Ocean Boulevard. The man of the people is off tonight. Unfortunately, he has some uh, babysitting duties. Actually, sorry, parenting parenting duties i have to get that right he's got a parent uh the man of the people is not here today unfortunately but the chief analyst of fes is here as always dave a very warm welcome to you on this wednesday evening hello jason uh it's good to be here on the number one fan made asian champions league podcast uh Bit of do, you a strange... think do you think we're the number one in Asia? I'm trying to think of what other podcasts in Asia. There might be a Euro or something. I only podcast. said that because we, we, we can't really talk about the A-League anymore. Um, no, we can't. <laughs> we so, can't. Um, look, it's good to be number one in something. And uh, top of the group, it is a, a strange feeling because, yeah, we, we won a game, our opening game in Asia, but I still feel disappointed uh, and we'll get right into that. Absolutely. There is a lot to talk about today. Of course, there are two games to review. The game against City on Friday night uh, a few days ago now and also the game last night, the Asian Champions League uh, first 
match day of the group stages. We'll be discussing all of that, um, contrasting games, of course. Uh, we'll also discuss a little bit about George Columbaris, just a, a little bit. Uh, a Kevin Musket update and also a Tim Cahill update before previewing our next match, which is, uh, once again, the Asian Champions League against FC Seoul. So this is very much an Asian Champions League orientated podcast, which is fantastic. Uh, the Patreon subscribers have jumped on board this week. We have uh, had one, actually, since the last time we recorded. Tom Payton, thank you very much for your support. If you do want to jump thank on you, at this uh, late stage, of the season you still can at patreon.com slash for fuck's sake get on there and contribute it is very much appreciated the music theme in line with our patreon subscribers the five dollar reward tier damien cox this week is uh kicking things off with the asian inspired music theme so uh we're asia 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 we're grabbing the asia this week on fvs so thank you to damien who has nominated a few songs of the grabbing by the asia persuasion so let's go, let's go. It is for fuck's sake. As always, a very friendly reminder about the For Fuck's Sake message board over at ForFuck'sSake.com. Get on there and talk all things victory with like-minded victory supporters all day and all night. Some things that are currently up for discussion right now, of course, the game yesterday against Changrai uh, United. Uh, is that, am I pronouncing that, pronouncing that right, Dave? Heard Close enough, pl- mate. Yeah, Changrai. Uh, and transfer rumors still on uh, topic uh, Bessa Barisha, some, for some reason, he's been brought up again. Uh, worst season ever, and Elvis Cam Sober, all up for discussion. I actually think I already know that Elvis Cam Sober debate this morning when I woke up. We're going to be talking about that in just a second as well. So, for fuck's sake.com, get on there and talk all things victory, like minded victory supporters. Also, FBS shop for your stubby holders, which. Uh, up for sale right now. We'll do another batch of mailouts this week. So if you haven't received them still, please just be patient. We are um, going to send a few more out this week. All right, Dave, let's go back to Friday. Um, the game against Melbourne City, of course. Uh, a disappointing result, a 2-1 result against City. Usually I do a little bit of a spiel uh, to intro the game, do my little own little review before throwing to you. But I want to throw to you first. You give me your review, and then I want to dissect the back three a little bit more in detail. So you go first, and then we'll um, we'll we'll expand well, on that. Tactics, 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 tactics. tactics. Uh, we fascinating have stuck stuck fat with the uh, three at the back, or as some people prefer to say, five at the back, but. For me, when there's two wingbacks, I, I like to say it's a back three with wingbacks, but whatever. The, the point is that in this particular game, Eric Mombarts exploited the tactical layout that Salvatore put out. Mm. You know, we had gaps in the midfield bigger than the Grand Fucking Canyon. It was <laughs> obvious. You know, we were all at sea defensively for that opener, and Florent Berongay took full advantage it should have been apparent you know and we're talking about this game many days after now but it should have been apparent to me 
um, sorry, to Salvatura as as mm-hmm. much as it was to me that you know, he should have rectified that early on. You know, he should have actually. And I think yeah, lots of talk about how we were missing Broxham because Broxham in that back three when you know from what we've seen so far and he he did this against uh, Kashima. You know, he was the the one that sort of pushed into midfield a little bit more when we didn't have the ball. And that was absent. But look, there, there were actually a, a lot of talking points. You know, I think Hoogland making his return was you know, immediately the mm. one uh, selection topic. And he, he, he looked slow. He, he looked like a, a guy who was just really uh, acclimatising still. And that's not what you want in a derby game. You know, when, mm-hmm. when, you, when you, you know, there's so much on the line, you know, the season was basically on the line and, you know, we, and we shut the bed. Um, but, the, but there were chances, you know, like Storm Roo's open header in the, in the first half. Um, there was a, a one-two moment with Ola and Lesiotis and they just weren't on the same page. Uh, super frustrating, you know. Uh, and then I guess, you know, Glover saved that one chance that we had. As, as, but, you know, and we made nothing of, the, of that very, you don't see them very often, that back pass error from, from mm-hmm. Glover. Um, and then other aspects of the game didn't go our way as well. You know, Jamison should have been sent off. Uh, mm. So, look, again, just a lot of those same issues. I hate going over them week after week. Um, but this, on this occasion, coming back to tactics, Carlos really missed the boat here. Um, we know the midfield is shit. Yeah. So in that situation... You, you've got to look at ways to to quell that weakness, or you know, to quell our opponents to make sure that we aren't exploited in that way. <laughs> and that's exactly how we were exploited. Is that how you saw it? I, I guess you did see it that way with the, the lack of midfield depth resulting in maybe a uh, an issue going forward. But I think that as well, the the attackers have to share some of that blame. I I really think because. The, the way City kind of planned this out, it was just weathering a bit of a storm, um, letting victory uh, open up space by committing too many men forward. And we have, right now, we have attackers out of form, of course, Andrew Naboo, uh, badly out of form, up and down. He's scoring the occasional goal here and there, but um, still very much out of form. All the Toivonen turns up when he wants. So I, I think that he's, he's a class above the league, but sometimes... Uh, maybe his uh, his work rate isn't always there, um, as some fans have have pointed out. And Elvis Cam Sober, who um, I have to check my notes. Yeah, he still has zero goals and zero assists in the A League. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a maybe a, a part personnel, parts you know tactics that that resulted in us being dismembered so badly. On Friday night, it was it was quite interesting because the way I saw it, it was just like let the victory uh, try and attack, and they're not going to score a goal. We'll, we'll go on and uh, we'll we'll use the open space that you've created to uh, to tear you apart. Yeah, look, the, the formation does work uh, <laughs> when depending on how well we transition the ball. Also, how well, also how well our opposition scouts us. <laughs> Pretty much because it works know. in Asia uh, when you can when you can watch you know video. Yeah, uh, we've been we've been scored against in in, in that way in, in in an identical way now uh, in in the A League. Uh, it happened against Perth as well, uh, mm-hmm. and 
the lesson needs to be learnt, but ultimately uh, it hasn't been yet. Uh, and I guess that's what that it's contributing to this feeling that we have now that, well, let's just put everything we have into the Asian campaign. Uh, you don't want to have to do that. Um, but our, our squad just isn't deep enough uh, to fight these battles on, on two fronts. Um, yeah, in the second half in that game, you know, we, we were a goal down. You kind of expected some changes. But initially, I, I thought Salvatore didn't really make any notable changes you know we were we were all dropping incredibly deep the entire squad which resulted in a, a congestive mess in that second half uh, we had that sort of penalty shout with Ross and Griffiths but clearly the replay showed yeah. that the, the ball hit his, his body first and then you know to to try and salvage things late on we had probably the best double substitution moment in victory history uh, you'd, you'd say with uh, Robbie Cruz and Marco Rojas coming on at the same time, but it was basically, uh, you know, Salvatore just going for it. Really, he put Cruz into the sort of midfield role and Cam Sober as well. Um, and if you look on paper, you know, that in in A League history, that that front third was a, a you know a, re- a real Harlem Globetrotters front third. We should be scoring. Yeah. Uh, not taking Cam Sober off at halftime for me was a massive error from Carlos. And then there were other personnel issues. Donicky looked like he wanted a holiday. He was he was like a bloke doing everything he could do to get arrested or you know thrown out of a club for being too <laughs> pissed. It you know it, it just wasn't <laughs> happening. Um, so and and then of course you you compound everything uh, a real salt in the wounds moment with Robbie Cruz heading off with 10 minutes or so, 15, 10, 15 minutes to go in the game with a hamstring injury. Um, and, of course, we know that he's out for six to eight weeks now. So it was a, an ugly night all round. Yeah, so the Robbie Cruz injury is a devastating blow. Uh, six to eight weeks at the moment, the club is saying, uh, well done to the club for the first time in a long time, being actually uh, up front and honest very quickly <laughs> on this one. Uh, but we all know with Robbie Cruz, it's probably more like a, a eight to 10, maybe 12. So that means that as far as our league season goes, uh, you could probably strike a line through him. I think the overwhelming... Um, opinion of victory fans at the moment is that Robbie Cruz of course when he's on the field when he's contributing is an absolute star performer but unfortunately his body just doesn't seem to agree with uh, what he wants to do so I think a lot of fans are saying that for the for the value for money he just hasn't been it Um, great when he's been on the park but unfortunately just too too long of an injury layoff at the start of the season and now to finish the season and um, unfortunately just not uh, great value for money. Yeah, there's been quite a bit of discussion as to whether he was fully fit for this game and uh, yeah, look, you, you mentioned six to eight weeks and everything like that, but even after that six to eight weeks, there's going to be a betting in period as mm-hmm. we saw you know, with him missing the start of this season. So stick a pin in it. Um, season over really for for Robbie Cruz so let's let's let me ask you about the recruitment and we've talked about recruitment so often this year but uh, you take Robbie Cruz on uh, if you're in the recruiting department if you're Paul Trimboli you have a player uh, with noted injury history uh, time and time again Uh, do you sign him to a two-year marquee deal 
in the A-League? Oh, look, it, it's, it's very easy to have these thoughts in hindsight. Uh, I think... I don't think it's hindsight, think, though. We said this at the start of the year in our season preview. This was pretty yeah, much bang on what I we said. You've got to look at the, the way in which... Well, okay, so I'll answer this question in two different ways. I think signing Robbie Cruz, absolutely a, a fantastic thing. Whether you invest the, the level of coin that we have, mm-hmm. uh, I think you know, he's taking on that marquee status as of next season, not, not this one. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure. Ola Toivonen currently is one of the, the marquees... Yeah, so who the second one? But yeah, it was, yep. yeah, two marquees, don't you? Ah. Two marquees, yeah, yeah. I think maybe, he's the second maybe one. just uh, reverse that one. Uh. <laughs> nah, it's alright. I can't be fucked editing right. today. Look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we're, we're big fans here. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it's 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 one of these things where you look at. At, at this league, you have to sign the best available Australian players that you possibly can. Yeah. Uh, and it's always hard. Uh, it's always hard to get the cream of the crop and then to keep them because of those salary cap issues. Um, part of me actually had, had me wondering, you know, how much is Cruz potentially one of the only ones who was really disappointed with Kurtz being given the chop, given the German connection and the way in which they interacted with one another um there was a lot of mutual respect between the two um and it could have just been me but i, I was just when when he went off the pitch there was just a, a hint of petulance i mean it was probably just gutted really um yeah but yeah that's something that i just noticed but um look i i think at the end of the day to, to come back to your question sorry it's a bit of a long-winded approach to answering a question but i think yes you, you absolutely do have to, to sign him and it's risk reward um the, 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 the issue is that he has to be carefully managed uh, and not risked, and it appears as though we did risk him. Uh, but travel was obviously a factor. You know, we were coming off the back of a trip to Japan and then to Perth. I mean, I know he didn't go to Perth, but um, there's a lot of weariness in aspects of our performance. So uh, it's just disappointing it's disappointing to lose in that manner when we had opportunities to score uh, and obviously losing to them uh, is never all that palatable. So I think we're on 16 points in the league uh, after 17 games. Simon Hill on the telecast, if you're watching at home, um, said that historically around about 35 points gets you to six spot on the table. I think we're about six adrift of sixth place at the moment. They've got a game in hand on us. So it's looking unlikely to really, uh, I mean, by that math, you have to claim about 19 points in in 10 games that we have remaining. So given the fact that we've claimed 16 points in, in uh, what, 17 games, it's uh, it's looking unlikely. This is, this is a weird feeling. It's been a few years since we had uh, fallen outside of the finals race. It's a bit of a weird feeling, isn't it, Dave? It is, and it, it's, it's just juxtaposed really strangely with the fact that, that we're in Asia and we've actually achieved some remarkable things in the past month in that competition. It just defies logic uh, in, in some ways, but I guess it, maybe it doesn't because if you look back at some of the good campaigns that Australian teams have had in the Asian Champions League, it's corresponded with poor seasons in the A-League. Um, we can't seem to get that balance right. And, of course, it doesn't help that our season isn't quite in sync with 
quite a few of the other Southeast Asian leagues uh, who are just starting their leagues now. So there's always this little bit of like little bit of a disjointed feel to how those two competitions intersect. Yeah, certainly. So the uh, Lion Medals Balls of Steel votes for that one on uh, Friday night against Melbourne City. The lowest uh, derby attendance ever as well, actually 16,872, was James Donachie with three, uh, three to the Donachie lad, two to Anthony Lesiotis, and one to Ola Toivonen. Uh, let's go now to last night, uh, Chiang Rai, I think it was, I think it's Chiang Rai. Um, Should add, uh, Ola got that one vote for the goal that he in yeah, nothing goal. Probably shouldn't have gone. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't have been a goal. But um, there you go. Yeah, Ola Toyden was of course on the score sheet yesterday as well. The lone goal scorer in the one 0 win against Chiang Rai. Uh, attendance of four thousand one hundred and fifty six, which is also pretty amazing. Unfortunately, I thought that more people would be getting around the ACL given the fact that. Um, of course, uh, we pulled off the uh, the win away in Asia, so a bit disappointing, um, but fantastic to get three points to start off the Asian Champions League campaign. Absolutely, um, you know, if you turn back time to that match day one, last Asian Champions League campaign, uh, you know, we were playing the Korean side and really needed to get off to a winning start, um, you know, winning at home and snatching the odd point away is really how you can progress out of the group stages. And despite it being one of the most pathetic and abysmal shit shows of a game, uh, it was pleasing to get the three points. Uh, and of course, <laughs> I still stagger at this whole thought, the fact that We've actually won three games in a row in Asia. Um, mm. I thought, um, you know, initially it was a, a, a terrible mess uh, in, in, in this first half in the game. Uh, I thought the, the, the only time we looked kind of like we were going to threaten was with Naboo, who, you know, he's been spending a lot more time on that left flank lately. And I think it, in particular in the Asian Champions League, because my guess is that they don't actually realise that he won't hug the line uh, mm-hmm. and that he will always cut inside. Um, and, yeah, this is early on a, a, a very dis- disjointed mess, I felt. But, um, yeah, and one thing I noticed is that Basher seems to get up the park quite a bit for a defensive holder. Um, and then, you know, not, not long after, you know, as the game sort of progressed, we, we you know, got awarded a penalty. Um, and look, I think it was a classic case of experience with Ola. You know, he made it a foul. He, the way he positioned himself, you know, it was one of those where it looked like a clear foul, uh, but he took the contact that was coming in like a pro, um, and 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 capitalised obviously. But a, a pathetic, real a game. Uh, I, I I was on the socials last night, and I just thought, can we not talk about this game? It was like, yep win in the bag but just awful we're slow in transition except Elvis Mm. who doesn't provide any assists and Lesiotis seems to be a better defender than he is actually a defender when he plays (laughs) in defense uh Rue Rue was awful um we were we were almost comical 
uh, at times. Uh, the mismatch in actions and shitty delivery was just borderline embarrassing at times. Um, I really despised that game last night. <laughs> no, it was it was no good. It was uh, very boring to watch. Um, thankfully, the uh, the fast forward fifteen seconds button on the KO um, video player got a fair workout when I was watching it on replay this morning. It was um, it was tough viewing. Um, but ordinarily, sometimes it's one of those games that Melbourne Victory usually uh, end up dropping as well. It, you know, sometimes you can kind of just sense that uh, the Victory are going to concede a goal, that they're inviting too much pressure onto themselves, and that inevitably they do uh, concede a goal, especially in Asia, especially late as well. So fantastic grit from the team to hold on. But I, I have a feeling goal difference is going to count, or is it is it head-to-head in Asian Champions League? I actually think it might be head-to-head might be something that our listeners have to uh to to double check on wikipedia again but it would be nice to score a few more goals and there were a few chances that were fluffed really badly uh, there was some uh back and forth on twitter when i woke up as well uh listening to people talk shit about you know you can't you can't uh bag out elvis cam sorry if you're not going to bag out Ola Toivonen, did you think they were both identical chances with the ease? I know Ola Toivonen very late on had a chance to, to wrap it up, as did Elvis Cam Sober just shortly before that. Do you think that they were the same kind of chance in, in terms of ease? No. I didn't think no, so don't. either. No, no. Ola, Ola's chance was a bit more of a, a half chance, a bit of a reactive one. And he's, the way the, the runs that he was making, the positioning of his body just wasn't right for what he would have liked to have done. Maybe if he was five years young, younger, he could have been a bit more acrobatic or athletic in, in that moment. But, yeah, it was a, a game littered with um, criminal football at times. Uh, there was that cross from Cam Sober in the 51st minute. It was a, a crime against football. Um, it's just... There's, there's just a, a lot not to like. And it's just a really strange feeling that, you know, we won the game... But at the same time, yeah, just just deflating to see the way in which we played. Yeah. Um, I like Carlos Salvatore's comments after the game. Uh, he paid tribute to the fans, uh, the four thousand that that did show up, and you know lamented the fact that we were poor, and we were. Uh, and it's only because the opponents were even worse than us that we managed to. Uh, get three points but you got to you got to try and take some positives uh you know we've got five more games in this campaign and the thing thing you have to do is win these games uh, and you know try and as i said earlier snatch a couple when you're on the road at what pe- what part oh, sorry what um point of the competition rather do people start turning up to these games 4000 last night as i said off the top i'm really surprised because everyone seemed galvanized and refreshed and and energetic by making asia i, I know that there's uh, midweek constraints that stop some people especially with kids from going but 10 years ago we were getting you know 30000 people to these games so you know people show they if they want to show up they will show up so at what point of this competition? I know that we made the the round of sixteen a few uh, years ago, and I don't think the crowd was too great for that either. So, do we have to make a final before people start getting excited enough to go to the ACL again? I don't think there's any one particular reason, but it's it's not just the Asian Champions League. There's there's been a 
a decline across the board, across the league in, in numbers. And, and uh, there, there's a bit of a staleness creeping in to the A-League and A-League clubs. Um, the job ahead for the club owners who now run the league is massive. And I don't know what the solution is. I think yeah, last night, 4,000 people... Yeah, it is a contributing factor, the fact that it's midweek, but that hasn't changed since, you know, we started playing in Asia. Mm. Uh, I, I, I do think you know, prices, you know, they have been dropped and everything, but just make it five bucks and, and get people in the door, you know, and particularly for members. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's just, it's become just a period right now where people don't seem to have the desire. Um the team, despite those good results, are not exactly playing great football as well. I mean, we, we have been somewhat impressed with the change in mentality a little bit, but it's going to take a bit of time for, I guess, the what you would call theatre-goers to come back. Uh, and yeah, even But even now, it's, it's gone beyond just the, the theatre-goers who aren't showing up. We have 23,000 members. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's also just that the the cost thing I think for families in this day and age as well, um, and the fact that people can watch it on TV uh, in multiple different ways. They can consume football in a multitude of ways, be it you know mini games and through the My Football app, through Kyo, through Foxtel, all of these different things. It, it's all layering on the rest of reasons why crowds are diminishing and it's not just football no uh, that's it's the import, not important thing to yeah. to register um so I, I don't like it when you know people specifically point to the a-league in in these sorts of discussions it's it's across the board globally where the, this phenomenon is uh taking place yeah, I mean, I was about to bring up that for, that point that it's not just football. It's it's really uh, many sports across Australia. I, one that's really topical right now is that Rugby Union's about to lose their TV deal with Fox Sports. And 20 years ago, I remember being like, you know, eight, nine years old and watching the Bledisloe Cup on uh, TV in Melbourne and they'd have 100,000 people packing out the MCG to watch Australia and New Zealand. That was 20 years ago that, you know, 100,000 people were gathering in Melbourne to watch Rugby Union and now they cannot even get a, a TV deal um, to, to play their games on Fox Sports. So uh, yeah. it's amazing how the, just the peaks and troughs of sport and people, Australian sports fans just seem to go through phases where they're into one sport and it's almost like uh, we go into things like marketing and mainstream media and things like that. Australian people really just get romance by certain things at certain times and they just they go all in on that sport for a little while we experienced it uh, you know 10 years ago uh, rugby union experienced it the big bash experienced it now they're experiencing um some lows as well so it's just it's so interesting uh, just the mindset of the australian sports fan i think yeah, well, you, you remember the the band The Terrace, who are, are, yep. were a band formed out of Mel, you know, a bunch of Melbourne Victory fans, uh, good friends of ours. And um, I remember Greg, who was uh, the guitarist in the band, had a had a song that I don't think actually made the the album that they put out. And the, the song sort of lamented, you know, where did all the fifty thousand go? <laughs> referring referring to the the days where you know 
at Docklands. We literally, you know, there was two or three games plus the, the finals and everything like that. Where 50,000 people were, yep. were showing up to, to these games. And now where it's like, well, where did all the, it's been like, where did the 40,000 go? Where did the 30,000 go? Where did the 20,000 go? And now where did the 10,000 yeah. go? It's It's been this steady decline. Um, as I said, it's so uh, multifaceted. Um, but, you know, I, I can talk about myself. Like, I, I can barely ever get to a midweek type mm. game because, you know, my wife is a nurse and she works all sorts of sporadic hours that you know, finish after hours and I'm often on dad duties at night. It's just really difficult. Um, there, was, there was a time prior to uh, having a family where I, it would, I would actually be nailed on for these games, you know, all the time. But, um, but it, you have to wonder, like, what, what else is, out, is it out there? You know, we have all of these members, but people just don't seem to have the, the drive to go anymore. So you add all of those yeah. things up and you get 4,000 people showing up to a game. I think I've told this story before, but um, our first Asian Champions League campaign, the game against Gambia Osaka, I think it may have been the first, like the first home game of the uh, the Champions League campaign for us. I'm pretty sure, and it was like it was 2008, so that was the year I started working, like my first actual job after high school. I graduated in 27, that's no, through 2007, um, and started working uh, in January. 28, uh, 20, 2008 and I think the Champions League game was what April so my work ethic was was still developing so uh, I remember calling in sick on the I think it may have been a Tuesday it must have been a Tuesday or Wednesday I'm not too sure what what day the game was played but I called in sick and I was like the George Costanza of sickies back uh, in my heyday I've developed a much better work ethic now that I have a daughter uh, that's kind of instilled a bit more of a maturity maturity in, in me but back in those days I was I was very I was very much the George Costanza of uh, of sick leave excuses I've, I've done everything literally everything you can think of I've thought up um, I, I've done things like act like my jam my finger in a car door and then I had to rock up to work uh, for a week with a, my hand bandage because I wanted to sell it really well. Um, but on this occasion, I was 18, so I was a really bad person back in those days. Really, really bad. Um, I wouldn't. I would you know, step agree. over my own grandmother. Uh, it when, meant, when I met you, yeah, I'd step over my own grandmother, and man, I benefited personally from it back in those days. But um, I remember that. Uh, the Gamba Osaka game, I called in sick at work. I said, oh, I've got a bit of a, a, a thing in my neck, a lump in my neck. I have to go to the doctors and get it checked out. And I remember I got absolutely wasted uh, that night, the Gamba Osaka game. And I was planning to go into work the next day, but I was so hungover that I had to call in sick again. So I... Um, I faked like, you know, oh, they, they might have found something in my neck, so I have to go get more tests the next day. <laughs> I had to... I feel oh, bad about you that doubled one. down. I essentially faked a cancer scare to, um, to get out of work to go to fucking Gambra Osaka. That was, um, that was a bad, bad period of my life. But they were, they were good <laughs> days as well. I mean, those were the, the, the great days of, of Melbourne victory. And, you know, you talk about that 50,000 game against Sydney FC. I remember how emotional it was for people as well. They kind of... Uh, I remember just in front of me, there was two guys and... Uh, one guy had his arm draped around the other guy and he's like just look around you just look around you yeah. like the old the old football wogs just look around you we, we we made it we finally did it we finally broke into the, like the mainstream well, uh, it was psyche. Santo Chalaro that, yeah. that what you're recounting there is what Santo Chalaro said when he was a guest yeah. uh, a couple of seasons back on our podcast you know he took that walk uh, down to Docklands with his dad and you know 
talking about the fact that they couldn't actually believe what they were seeing. Uh, and I, I'd agree. Like, uh, it's, 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 it's one of these, and the debate is raging right now with, you know, what do we do um, in, in terms of the A-League, second division, promotion, relegation, all of these things are, you know, floating around right now. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of, we're in this, the eye of the storm right now. And as I, as I touched on, how the clubs come out of this uh, and how the league is governed in the coming years, you know, what, what happens from a TV perspective will very much shape things. It could go really well. Uh, it could implode. Um, I, I like to think that it will go really well because I always point to this, you know, like we recently expanded the A-League and there were so many potential investors in the sport. You know, that's, that's what needs to be, I guess, front and centre of our minds when we're thinking about football. Uh, you know, it's, it's a sport that has that global appeal. And I think, you know, even if things do happen like they did with Rugby Union losing the rights, I, I remain pretty confident that we will come out of it just because it is that sport that has that reach beyond most other sports. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, backtracking. Oh, we, we got a bit sidetracked there. Yeah, but, uh, backtracking, backtracking. We, we, we <laughs> um, tell me what you thought of Bill. What did you think of Bill? I didn't like him. <laughs> he, <laughs> just something about the way he was carrying himself God on the God damn it, he was carrying on, uh, was he? He was carrying on like a pork histrionics. chop. Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, we always get... Get these uh, strange units that are, you know, somehow these blokes ended up in Thailand. And I do like the the, the, the yarns that, that come out of this, you know, like, in, first of all, you've got a, an awesome Anglo-type name in Bill, uh, in a Brazilian, I think uh, Simon, uh, sorry, Teo uh, referred to the theme of, you know, you got Fred and Bill and these uh, names from Brazil, that the way they do that. It's pretty funny. Um yeah, I didn't didn't like him, but they 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 weren't much chop. Um, no, and as I as I mentioned, um, and oddly enough, you know, there's a genuine possibility that we could win more ACL games than A League games at this rate. Uh, so yeah. we, we we definitely have to um, take ownership of being the number one uh, Asian Champions League fan made podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we played coming weeks. Played seventeen games in the A League, won four, played three games in the Asian Champions League group stages and qualifying, won all and three of them. Through. And that of course means that we are undefeated when we have Dakin on the front of our shirt. Fantastic sponsorship, Dakin. They yeah, are winners. Uh, they sponsor system winners. We were playing last night, Jace. Yeah. A bit of a split split system. <laughs> I will never Sorry, get tired of your air conditioner puns. I will never get tired no. of it. Actually, just thinking, I was thinking, you know, I was telling you about my own sick day excuses. Um, I actually just recently trained a guy. So part of my job now is actually training new people. And some guy used a, um, a dead dad excuse and then just quit um, when he got paid. Because we um, pay in the month. We pay, we pay for the whole month. We pay him on the 15th. So he started on like the 10th. Um, he, he worked for like two days, made up a dead dad excuse and then um, quit the job on the 15th when he got paid. So he got paid three weeks and, and made bank and left. But yeah, he made some claims which were unsubstantiated upon research. Just um, just interesting how people in the world operate, I think. Um, 
But I digress. I'm not sure where we're going with this <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I'm just filling content, I well, suppose. Speaking of the way in which people operate in the world, um, let's talk about how Elvis Cam Sober operates in the final third. Oh yeah, I think you're you're turning on this, aren't you? I didn't want to I didn't want to go into it. Because I, I don't want to say that I'm turning. People, I was people the are unhappy. Yeah, I was the defender of Cam Sober uh, when you and Buds went to town on him a few weeks back. Um, but last night was unforgivable. Um, possibly the yeah, if it wasn't for Aziz Bayic, that would have been the worst howler in uh, Vuck history. Yes, you're right. Um, yeah, I I've, I feel like that person. You know, you, you vouch for someone. You know, you you, you kind of um, no, nah, he's a good bloke. You know, just give him give him some time. <laughs> but he keeps you know missing the round at the pub, or you know. But in this case, he keeps missing the goal. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's tough. It really is tough. Um, I, I was a bit pissed off last night. Normally, my reaction with Cam Sober is one that you know it's perseverance. He'll get there. Just needs to sort it out. Um, I saw a bit of footage of him after the final whistle. Well, and he was just laughing and carrying on with some of the teammates. And I was like, you know what? You shouldn't be laughing and carrying on right now. You should be dejected. And disappointed in yourself, and um, to see that I was, you know, it's probably nothing to it as such, you know. But that's the image that I got, and I just witnessed yet another uh, glaring opportunity miss. It wasn't just that opportunity though that Rojas beautifully created for him. There was, as I mentioned, that cross earlier in the half too, where just. Just gets the decision making wrong every time. Um, I know you guys have written him off completely, and I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. But what I will say is, I, I don't think there's much of a future for him uh, at the club. Uh, I just, yeah. I just think it, it, it's, it's, it's the evidence that the ev- overwhelming evidence is that he can't get that aspect of his game right. The chances that he's had, and when I say chances, I mean the time, the match time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is, is huge. You know, he's had a lot of minutes because of all the injuries we've had. And, you know, he's, he's very durable. He, he's got a great motor and all of that. Um, but I'm afraid it's, it's just not going to work. Um, and, you know, he's out of contract I was very much of the sort of, you know, he's a good squad player and we should keep him on, but I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, and I hate the, saying that. I hate thought, saying that. I really yeah. do. The thought I had is, I said this a couple of weeks ago as well, he possesses the attributes, the pace, the enthusiasm and stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised if he has already agreed to or would be soon to agree to a MacArthur. contract at MacArthur because they're going to overpay him because they need to lure players. They need to overpay players. Uh, of his ilk to lure them, lure them away, or lure those players away. So I mean, if you're if if you're Elvis Camp sober and you need to make bank to uh, set up yourself or support your family, you're a squad player that came from the NPL, so you weren't earning too much, and now you're on the cusp of a really decent professional contract. If you're getting what I think the the minimum salary in the A League is maybe about seventy five thousand. I think it might be around about thereabouts. Uh, yeah, he roughly. could he could be getting. Uh, I would say he'd probably be offered by MacArthur maybe a hundred to one hundred and ten. Why? Well, I mean, why would they? Because they uh, they have to overpay. Coming back to the evidence, yeah, well, well, do they? 
Yeah, I, I think so. They'd have a football. They'd have a football department and a, and, a, and director of sorts that's currently, you know, they've just signed up Tommy Orr a couple of weeks back, and I'm sure they're doing all manner of different discussions and negotiations with various players. Um, they they might be interested, but why would you pay overs? Um, you know. I don't know. I'm not convinced. I think you'll would. find that startup clubs usually pay overs at the start for for players okay. to to get them away. And I don't, I don't think victory going to budge. There's there's no reason why he deserves a pay rise or pay increase. I think you say. Um, I mean, I'm probably for keeping him on uh, as a as a role player, but it has to be on the same salary. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't warrant an increase. Uh, based upon output, he's got potential, uh, but the results aren't there. Mm. Um, let's talk quickly, just quickly. Let's move, on, move on from Elvis here. Yeah, Rojas, uh, when he's uh, when he came on, his little cameo was uh, really, really impressive. You, you just saw the class and a little bit of the link-up play with Ola Toven and a little bit of uh, just really some deft touches from Ola and Rojas linking up nicely. <clears throat> that was just a really exciting aspect because it seems like Marco Rojas is nearing full fitness and I think that uh, that'll be the last game that you see him come up, coming off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's, he's ready to go now, surely. And the, the only disappointing thing about this is that you, know, you talked about the link-ups with Ola. Those link-ups would have been with Robbie Cruz on the other side as well or centrally. Uh, and, you know, you know we, we get one coming in and we, but we lose the other yeah. and that's just heartbreaking um you know it, it, i can't wait to see what else uh he has in store for us because uh you know fan fan favorite um he's probably picked up a few extra tricks over in europe um just on one other player i feared the absolute worst uh when i saw Traore go down yeah. with, at the time it looked like a, a knee injury and i was like don't just don't do this to me. <laughs> just that way he was holding up. the knee. And yep. Uh, yep. I think uh, the destruction of the box guys were talking about the uh, economy is one a couple of weeks ago where you kind of just know, um, having you know, watched enough footy and things like that, like we do in Melbourne, you know when a player's done the ACL and they kind of just ho- try and hold their knee together as if it's fallen apart. They're just trying to hold it. And that's what Adama Troy was doing. And I thought 100% he did his ACL, but he seemed to have run it off. But perhaps that was just adrenaline and you might see... Uh, you know, might not be so serious as an ACL, but maybe <clears throat> something uh, that will keep him out for a couple of weeks. But we'll see what uh, what happens there. Uh, I reckon we've days. given this game way too much. We, we'll, we'll take the W, vitally important, <laughs> but it was fucking awful. And let's let's well, honestly, Dave. We've got George Colombaras coming up on the rundown later, so we haven't got much tonight. It's uh, it's good. It's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, content. It's pretty lean tonight. Yeah, pretty lean this week. So we've we've, we've killed enough time on that one. But the uh, Lion Medals Balls of Steel votes for that particular game was uh, Donicky uh, yet again for the second time in the That's space two, of about four days. Two in a row. Gets the three votes, Adamatore on two, and Giancarlo Galafoco. How do we not speak about Giancarlo Galafoco? He got one vote. Uh, Giancarlo, he <laughs> will get a red card within the next two games. Book it in. The, the next two games that he starts, he will receive a red card. He was he was good. He was solid enough. He was serviceable, but he was also <clears> reckless. <throat> uh, a few times uh, after getting that initial yellow card, he was very, very... Uh, rough and aggressive and 
putting a body on uh, on Bill and, and other players. And I think that he needs to just be a little bit more conservative when he's on a yellow card Bill and not jumping, it. not climbing all over players in the... Uh, in the defensive third. All right, so thank you to all our listeners who voted in the Balls of Steel votes. You can get on to, for fuck's sake, uh, social media channels on Twitter and Facebook each and every time after the game to cast your three, two, one votes. Uh, Let's take a break. Hey, what, what, what's um, what's your number one sicky excuse? Can you say that on, on the podcast? Uh, I don't take sickies, Chase. I'm okay. a very committed employee. Um, back no, in your actually, heyday, though. Did, back did, in your heyday did, when you were in Melbourne High with the long hair down around your, your, your neck. Oh, I was in high school then, mate. I didn't oh. take sicky. But look, look at it this way. Um, once you become a parent, sick days are, particularly before mm. your kids get school, sick days are basically a waste of fucking time because yeah. you, you're sick and then your missus says, oh, well, then you can stay at home and look after the kids. So back in the day, you used to take a sickie and just kick back. Uh, <laughs> you're right. You <laughs> I have won't, to, I won't you have detail to help. what I did. No, you have to help because yeah, I've yeah. been sick the last few days as well and you, you, there's no, there's no point always, being sick because you have to just you have to you have to if you stay I've home got a you're real helping. Skill, Jace. <clears throat> I've got a real skill um, in in um, coming across as ill. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've got that that routine where you actually make the effort to go into work, but you know you come in and you're all oh yeah, just exaggerating yeah. coughs and you know just looking queasy. I've I've got that I've got that routine down really well don't do it anymore of course no of course not um not, sick not, days not sick days no fun with a kid neither is drinking hangovers are terrible as well that's what i've learned in my first year of uh of being a dad mm. so don't don't even bother drinking you just got to finish the night off jace this is what i i, I still yeah. drink you know with uh, young kids and everything but you just got to try and be a bit smarter about it, a bit more tactical you know start earlier in the day that's yeah. what I find uh, is the key when you become a parent uh, and you still want to get on the source and and always try and finish the night off with quite a few of quite a few waters and you can get back up the next day and uh, get ready to attack whatever your kids throw at you. I think our fans hate when we talk about this man, but uh, it's notable. It popped up in the news the last couple of days. George Kalambaris is on the brink of. Uh, Wrapping up his uh, his empire, his uh, his empire. It seems like the judge said you have to pay your staff, and he said, "Well, I've got no more money left." So, uh, an end to the George Columbaris empire. Dave, just a few quick words on our former number one ticket holder. Well, has he been stripped of that uh, entitlement? Has he? 
I think so. Like he, uh, I think I think like I think he, he got stripped of that. Entitlements from his own <laughs> his own staff. Um, yeah, look. Um, what I think do he I got think? stripped when he beat that thirteen-year-old to near death. No, no. Well, yeah, I don't know, but I, I do know <laughs> that he's still involved as a prominent supporter of the club. But uh, we have to cut ties. We yeah. have to cut ties. Um, um, look, uh, th- there's a couple of things to say. Like, I, I, the whole process of going into administration is to, you know, prevent a business from collapsing and and all of that. Um, but I'm sure old Georgie boy has uh, put a few funds away before all this uh, in trust accounts and what have you. I have no doubt he's uh, sorted himself out in the background. But look, this is what, um, you know, it's off the back of the fact that the the, the, the press and, and the, the, the reputation of his brand and the restaurants um, took a battering with all, all that people with all the stories about the wage theft, um, a lot of people just stopped going there or stopped yep. ordering the food. Um, it's it's actually uh, a shame because it's really good food. Like, yeah, I've been, it, it is back actually. in the day, went to a couple of his restaurants. I've had, um, you know, I've had Jimmy Grant's uh, several times and Hellenic Republic. Never went to press club. Um, but I'm, you know... I think what's happening here is that dodgy bosses, people who try and cut corners and rip people off, are getting caught, and that's a good thing, ultimately. Um, mm-hmm. You run a successful business when you have, you know, the ideal scenario is you have happy employees who want to come and work for you, um, and the opposite is true in this case. And as, as far as its relationship to Melbourne Victory is concerned... Um, yeah, uh, I just uh, I think we need a, a, a new number one ticket holder. Any any suggestions out there? We should put that out to the listeners. Um, who are some prominent Melbourne Victory supporters out there? There's uh, Walid Ali, who I'm sure mm-hmm. um, he's a big big buck. Um, but yeah, someone someone out there who listens to this podcast will will, will know of some better candidates. Uh, so when it comes to Colin Barris, uh, in this case, enough really is enough. Uh, it's all over. I think you'll be happy to know that apparently I saw on Twitter the other day that uh, I, I'm not watching this year because I'm, I'm over here in the States, of course. But one of the uh, contestants of the new Married at First Sight season is a big fuck fan. Uh, someone posted a screenshot of his Instagram, a, a post from like 2017, which shows that he posted a fuck photo. So... Steve, I think his name is. So he might be the, the one worth looking at for the number one ticket holder, Dave. Maybe. What is it with you and shit TV shows, I'm just, saying, I'm just relaying information, Dave. Okay. Mm. Uh, what's next on the rundown? Uh, Kevin Musket. He uh, has a, had a decent start in the Belgium League. Three wins from four games. Uh yeah, so he's uh, he started off well. The football manager there, uh, John Grimaud, <coughs> uh, is a, a player agent. I think also a facilitator of the move, uh, Kevin Musket to Belgium. Uh, we're gonna. I'm actually going to send him a message because I was in contact with him a few weeks ago to try and get a player interview that didn't eventuate. But I might actually try and get John uh, on the phone next week or sometime this week to chat to him about a few things because um, he's got some good stories, not just um, relating to to Kevin Musket, but also a few other former Buck yes. players. Yeah, John copped a bit of flack for that tweet. Um, 
because you know, he referred to Kevin Musket making it three wins from four games in the Drupal League. And, you know, as we have detailed and others have detailed, you know, Kevin isn't actually the manager yet. Uh, John's retort to that was basically, well, even though he isn't officially the manager, this is his influence now starting to filter through to the results on the park and he's occupying some form of you know, technical director type role until he gets his uh, UEFA badges. So, uh, And by all reports, a good brand of football. Look, this is... You know, I'm really hoping that uh, once Kevin takes over formally that um, you know, he has some success over there because I think it's, it's, it's a great thing to see Australian managers. We, we talked at length about Ange's exploits in Japan. Uh, it'd be good to have another story to to talk about. Um, Most definitely. I think uh, Kevin Musk is well and truly determined to succeed over there as well. So uh, we wait and see to see how it goes. Um, hopefully he learns a thing or two because, of course, we know that he has a few flaws that he needs to iron out in his uh, managerial uh, career, but uh, we'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. Uh, just a, f- a quick one as well. Tim Cahill has been named as an ambassador for the 2022 Qatar World Cup. Um, nice Dave, segue, Jace, uh, when it yeah. comes to people with flaws. Um, <laughs> what a what a disastrous own goal this is. And, and just, look, bloke has absolutely no shame. Uh, when it comes to what uh, products or relationships that he engages in, like not to me, I mean, putting aside the fact that you know our World Cup bid was scuppered by this Qatar bid, you know, we still stings the you know the, the whole process and what we went through. Um, but of course, we we know all about. Qatar as a nation uh, when it comes to the way they treat their own people and, and as well as the people that have been uh, brought on to build their stadiums and some of the almost, you know, slavery type conditions uh, that people have had to endure and the deaths in constructing those stadiums. What is he thinking? Yeah, he's just what, wanted a paycheck. What is he thinking? Um, yeah, well, you, you haven't got enough Tim. <laughs> You haven't got enough paychecks. I mean, with with Tripper Deal and all this other stuff that he's done that we've had had a laugh about over the years, yeah, whatever. But come on, you know, this World Cup's two years away, and you know, just reading what he's he's saying that it was a natural progression for me. I've been <laughs> travelling to Qatar since t- two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, it is. I guess, I guess when you look at the whole thing it is a bit of a natural progression you're willing to just bend over and be a shill for whoever is who, who, regardless of the type of uh you know the issues that a particular country uh presides over you know oh tim anyway all right We've got on my computer. I'm looking at it very <laughs> intently. We've got 10 gigs of space left. I'm about this is about to shut down, so we have to really you need a really, new computer. Yeah, I know. Uh, so we're going to preview just quickly, and you have to make it in like two minutes, or else we're going to lose everything that we've just recorded. So, uh, right. Sol, wrap it up. 
Seoul uh, on Tuesday uh, at the Seoul World Cup Stadium, a beautiful stadium. A positive result here will do wonders for our uh, goals to qualify for the round of 16. Dave, give me a quick summation and a prediction. We're going to have to uh, improve a lot of things about our game if we're going to get anything out of this one because uh, it's a different proposition playing... uh, against a Korean side at home. Um, we're going to... It's going to be ugly. You know, we're going to, again, just try and snatch that early goal and then defend for our lives, um, which I'm okay with. I, I think there has to be a, a degree of pragmatism when you are playing this game. You have to accept some of your limitations from time to time and play in a certain way that is about getting the result. Um, and it's not pretty. But the alternative uh, you know, is to try and play attacking football, be gung-ho and try and score multiple goals. But when you don't have the personnel that is capable of doing that, um, you've got to accept reality, I feel. And I've no doubt that Salvatore will do just that and set up in a very similar way to how we set up against Kashima. Uh, prediction, win, loss or draw? Uh, look, um, win, loss or draw, win, loss or draw, win, loss or draw. draw. We're losing, <laughs> we're losing, draw. We're losing storage. Nil, nil. We're lose nil, everything. Nil. No one cares what I think. Thank you very much, Dave. <laughs> we'll see you. Uh, we'll do another podcast uh, on Wednesday after the ACL. Uh, I'm on the VAC. I'm on the VAC. All right. Bye-bye.